Welcome to the Unstoppable Entrepreneur Show. 20 minutes or less of power-packed strategy to disrupt your thinking, elevate your mindset, and help you scale your sales online. I'm Kelly Roach, let's get started. This is the Unstoppable Entrepreneur Show, and I'm super pumped to have our keynote speaker for Game Changer 2020, Bo Eason, in the house. Hey, Bo, how you doing? Hey, Kelly, thank you. Thank you for having me. I am so happy to have you here. So guys, I have actually done a whole bunch of stories about Bo's book. I have been talking incessantly about this. My client, Ryan Dowdy, randomly texted me on a Saturday morning and he said, she said, hey, Kelly, get this book. This is everything you teach. It's everything you believe. And I, I immediately looked it up. I ordered the book. I devoured the book. And ever since then, I've been screaming from the rooftop, Bo, trying to get every client that I have, every person in my audience, reading your book, listening to what you teach. This is everything right now. And I don't know what, what year did you write this book, Bo? What year did you write just, it? I, it just came out last September. So I wrote it. It took okay. me two years to write. So, you okay. know, two years before that. So three years ago, I started. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah because I mean, man, in 2020, do people need this message, huh? Wow. Yeah, yeah I, I agree. I agree. Yeah. Well, my dad right now is up there in heaven, probably smiling down because it was all, all because of, you know, how he spoke to us. So yeah. Yeah. Really no, cool. that, that's awesome. We, um, we're doing a session. Let, let's start with that, right? Because we're actually doing a session at Game Changer, myself and my partner in my, my other company, which is called Give Her Courage. And it's really, you know, for parents, like talking to them about just the opportunity, this massive reinvention and disruption that's going on, this opportunity to like reframe our kids' idea of what's possible, the way that they're perceiving education, the way that we're educating. So you said, starting with your dad, it started with your dad, started with the way he talked to you. Let's start there and then let's talk a little bit about your story and then we'll get into a little bit of what's in the book. Yeah, well, a lot of people, uh, Kelly, they always ask me, they go, why, even my own kids, they go, why are you so obsessed with being the best at this and we gotta be the best at that and we gotta be the best at this no matter what we do. And so I always blame it on my dad. I always say, look, I'm the youngest of six kids. So we grew up on a, grew up on a ranch, you know, so I have four older sisters and then an older brother. And I could hear my dad every single morning coming down the hallway. And first he'd go into my sister's rooms and he would wake them up and I could hear him, but I would pretend like I was still asleep. <laughs> yes. And then, <laughs> and then it, yeah. Right. And it would be, you know, because, you know, if, if anyone ever grew up on a ranch or a farm, you know, it's you wake up early. Mm -hmm. So it was always five in the morning. And eventually he would get to me in my brother's room and I could hear him rubbing my brother's back next to, you know, on the, in the next bed. And he would whisper in his ear and he would just tell him that he was the best. And then right after he would tell us that we were the best, he would drop a few cuss words right? As if that was punctuation. And so, uh, and I think, I think every man of that generation, like ended every great sentence with, yeah. with a, with a cuss word, you know? Yeah. So, and that's what, and that's what he did, you know, by the time he got to me, rub my back, he'd whisper in our ears and tell us we were the best. And that's how I was woken up until I went off to college. And then um, when I no longer slept at his house, when I was married, when I had kids and we would go back during the holidays and stuff to visit my mom and dad, he would still do it. And I, and I was then in my forties, 
right? And he would still rub our backs and tell us we were the best. Yeah. So yeah. for most of my life, Kelly, as you can imagine, this was a source of embarrassment because, you know, when you're up to bat in Little League and you're striking <laughs> out and your dad's yelling you're through the, the backstop that you're the best. And then me and my brother went on our first date. I was a double date. And the girls were at our house. And so we were walking out to the car and this was my first date. So I was nervous. My date yeah. was nervous. And he was just like giving us a fist like this, like, you're the best boys. You're the best. You're the best. And the girls were looking at him like, what is this guy talking about? And eventually, I think it was like in our early twenties, me and my brother, cause we were the, the, the two boys, but we were the youngest two. Um, we just kind of surrendered finally um, to what he saw, mm -hmm. you know, because a lot of times growing up when he, when he was telling me that, I didn't feel like that. So I was wondering, is he really talking to me? Or is he talking to somebody over my shoulder? Yeah. Um, but, but once we got about 21, 22, we go, you know what? Maybe he's right. Maybe maybe we are the best maybe we're meant to be the best mm -hmm. and you know my brother was a first round pick you know as a quarterback to the new england patriots and took them to their first super bowl and i was a top pick for the houston oilers the the, the year after that and it and that the best has just always stuck with me regardless of the discipline regardless of the occupation yeah. and that's kind of how it all the the whole book started from there yeah, I, I love that. And I think it's it's such an important place to start because words have so much power. Words yeah, have yeah. so much power. And I think for everyone listening, we're either entrepreneurs that are mentors to others, that are leading others, that are shaping others' perception of themselves, or we're parents leading others, mentoring others, shaping others' perception of their self, or both. Most of us are both, yeah. right? And so I think just, just remembering the power of our words and how that impacts not only ourselves and how far we go and how much we can achieve, but also the people that are watching and listening. And even you on the times where you didn't want to hear it, right? And you were embarrassed <laughs> by it. It was still subconsciously, it was shaping you. It was shaping you, shaping you, shaping you. And, and that obviously had a, a huge impact on the direction of your life, which is crazy. And I think you said something really, really important there, which is you said that it carried over into whatever discipline you ended up pursuing. And I think that's really important because I think a lot of entrepreneurs, you know, they, they have multiple lives, right? They have like one career life, one family life. And then, you know, they, they many times end up in entrepreneurship starting over in some way shape or form at 40 or at 45 and there's like this self-doubt and there's this question of like can i be the best like has my time passed can what i did in my past life that i was great at carry over and that was something that i found so compelling in the book is you literally flipped the switch and you made the decision you went from being the best in the world at what you did in the nfl to then the playwright, to then the acting on stage. But there's so much in that power of that decision. So why don't you walk through that story, which is so fascinating. Yeah. Um, yeah. So people can hear a little bit of that. Yeah. I, you know, I just, when I was nine years old, I just drew up this plan, this dream, right? I drew it. 
And I just decided or declared that I wanted to be the best safety in the world, which is a position in football. And, you know, followed that dream. But look, I I went to a high school that's never had a pro athlete, right? So I went to a college that maybe had a handful of pro athletes, practically zero. I went to a college that that had no scholarships that that was division two you know and yet i stayed true and i stayed loyal to my dream right to be the best safety and through thick and thin it it the whole 15 16 17 years leading to that dream coming true every day it's weird every day it looked like it wasn't going to come true mm-hmm. like it it just wasn't and yeah. then guess, and, and I find it so weird that, and I tell people this, but I don't think they believe me. I go, look, it looks like it's never going to come true, yeah. even the day before it comes true. Yeah, I, and then, I've had that moment. I've had that moment with things. It's so, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yes. Yeah. But I, that it is, it's, it's this very strange thing. You always feel like it's, yeah, out of reach or something. But okay, all yeah. right, keep going. It all, it, 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 and it almost is, but I think that's what keeps us, like the entrepreneur world, that's what keeps us going, right? It's like that yeah. next false summit that we're going to climb, right? You, you climb that one, then you go, I'm at the bottom of the next summit. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. And so after, after I played in the NFL for five years, I had seven knee surgeries while I played and you know broke pretty much everything. Um, I, I decide or declared no different than I did back when I was nine. So this, at this point I was 29, you know? And so I was 20, yeah, 28 or 29. I said, I want to be the best playwright and stage performer of my time. And I just used the same words that I used for football. I just said, I want to be the best at this thing because that's what my dad said. He didn't say second best he didn't wake us up by saying hey you're the best you're you're mediocre gosh darn it (laughs) and and so i i i I moved to new york i started studying i started training off to this next 20-year plan this 20-year declaration and i had a mentor named al pacino who a lot of you have probably heard of and I sat down with him for about three hours and showed him and told him what I wanted. He pretty much kind of mapped out my next 15 years right in front of me. And I never saw him again. I, he sat down for three hours, mapped out 15 years, probably thought I was never going to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Until 15 years passed. And I'm in New York City on opening night, nervous as hell. And I, I run out to perform this play that I wrote. And who's sitting in row five right on the aisles, Al Pacino. Mm-hmm. And um, it was like, a, it was like be, here's the reason I went to Al Pacino. I went to him because everybody in my, I went to every kid in my class. Mm-hmm. So I took these performance classes, acting, writing, theater, movement, performance classes. And I was, you know, 28, 29 at the time. And I said to them, hey, I want to be the best in the world at this thing that we're doing right now, this stage performance. And they all thought I was nuts. And 
and they were much younger than me because they, they just came out of college, but I had already had a career. And I said, who is the best at this thing we're, we're learning to do? Who is the best at this thing? And this was 1990. So they were all saying, oh, that's Al Pacino. And I said, that's cool. Where is he? And they were like, I don't know. You can't, you can't hang out with Al Pacino. And I said, but if he's the best, that's the only guy who can help me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I met with Al Pacino. I went to his house. Um, And it was just like a scene out of The Godfather, to be honest. And, but it was very cool. And he, he was super cool. And um, he, he basically just told me what to do. And basically what he told me to do was exactly the same um, things that I did to become the best safety in the NFL. It was the same work. It was the same time frame. Yeah. It, it was so similar that it was kind of eerie. Yeah. Um, it was, he said that if I spend more time on a stage than any other human being, then chances were that I was going to be the best after 15 years of doing that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's what I did. Yeah. And, and he was at opening night and I hadn't seen him for 15 years, except in movies, you know? So everything that I've ever done has had those same words in it. Um, Like when I uh, wanted to become a speaker, I said, I just want to be the best speaker in the world. Who is the best speaker in the world? Who is that? And everyone tells me, and then I go find out who that is. I, I, you know, get coached or understand how to do it. And then I start running the miles. Yeah. But here's the, here's the cool part, Kelly, is most people get nervous about those timelines. They always go, man, that's a long time. But here's the, here's the, really the, the cool thing about it. Once you know the principles of what it takes to be the best, it doesn't take that long. Mm-hmm. So every, every time I apply, I approach this dream, this declaration, I always say, I want to be the best at blank. And every time I do it, the years or the time frame gets shorter because I, Bo at nine years old kind of learned the principles yeah. of what that takes over a long period of time. Yeah. And now you can truncate it. Now you can, you can collapse time and make those things go faster and get to that world-class level much quicker. Yeah, it, it's it's amazing, and this is why I just I'm so excited to have you come speak at the Game Changer and and to really share some of those specific strategies and principles that you use and and how you've been able to do that. But I just love that you said get started clocking the miles. Um, I very often on this show talk about running the drills. So, mm-hmm. right, it's 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 the same, and and this is the thing. It's what you're saying is so common sense and it is so essential and yet it is completely other than everything of our world today. And that's why when I read your book, I was like, everyone needs to read the book because it's, it's just, 
we, we as, as teachers and mentors to others have to like puncture that false reality of what we see online and what we hear in the outside world. And we, we have to remind people that they are capable of setting an intention, like you said, developing a very specific plan and then creating really whatever outcome that they want to, but that they have to be willing to have a different framework and a different operating reality and a different commitment level than anyone else in their realm like you're not going to find someone else that is making that commitment right like i'm sure many times on this journey people were like oh you're crazy like man what are you doing like you know right everybody and i think our world like our media world you know because i came from the athletic world so that would be like espn and sports television right but if you look at like just media in general they give a promise or they i think they're in love with um uh, virtuosos. And, and, and when I say that, I mean like um, uh, people that are just like magically struck by God to have yeah. some kind of talent. Yeah. And that is just not how anything occurs. That's not even true. There are no shortcuts. Mm-hmm. There is no such thing as a automatic, you know, God-given something, yeah. you know, there, yeah. it, takes, it takes work and it takes years. And I think that's where our world gets it wrong, right? Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, most people go, well, you're just lucky, Bo. Like, you were, a, you were a great safety. I go, yeah. You know what that took? You know, I mean, I, yes. I wasn't, you know, yes. down at me and said, hey, you're just a great safety or you're a great playwright. Yeah. That took, like, a lot, a lot of failure over year after year after year. And then eventually you're standing on top, but that, that's just how it goes. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's so true. And it's actually offensive to the people that are having that level of success because you're like, (laughs) no, man, you don't know what this took. Like, you don't know what went into this. Like this, this wasn't something that was like a spark of, you know, magic illumination. It was very intentional, very structured, very strategic. You know, it was mapped out for a period of years. And I think it's a shame when things are even portrayed that way because it discounts what that person went through and what they committed, you know, to achieving that. Now in the book, you tell a story. Well, you tell so many, you tell so many good stories in the book, but one of the things that you were talking about, and I don't remember all the details, but I want you to just speak to this for a quick second. You were talking about the runt of the litter. You're talking about the run of the litter. Tell the story about the run of the litter and like, you know, why, why the run gets picked and, you know, the, the success <laughs> and the, the psychology of it, because I think that will really, really help people. Right. Yeah. 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 So I, you know, my, my older sisters, all four of them and my brother, who's, you know, one year older, they're all very, you know, um, athletic, really top notch, uh, great quality people really achieved. The first time I tried to uh, play tackle football, I was a freshman in high school. So I'd never played up to that point. Right. But all, but everyone else in my family was successful athletics and I I was certainly going to follow in their footsteps. So the first day of practice, they weighed and they measured us. They, they put me on a scale and I weighed like 98 pounds and I was five, I think I was five feet tall. And the coach looks at me because I was way too small to be playing football probably in his mind. And, you know, he just said that he 
to that I was small and that this is probably not going to work out and these kinds of things. So after practice, after that first day of practice, I walked to my dad's pickup truck where he's picking me and my brother up, right? So he's picking me up. I get in and I'm kind of in tears and my dad goes, what's wrong? And I tell him what the coach said to me. Yeah. And he said, my dad said, oh, I said, dad, they weighed and they measured me and they said, I'm too small. And then my dad said this, these exact words, and pardon my language, but this is how my dad talks. This is what he said. Well, did they measure your heart, goddammit? And I was like, Dad, I don't think the school has a heart measuring thing. I don't think we have one. <laughs> yes. And he said, because do you know how we pick the ranch dog that works on the ranch? And I was like, no. He goes, you know, we picked that dog. You know, that dog can do the work of 10 men. We, the, we'll, we'll lose the ranch if we don't have that dog. And I go, okay. And he goes, do you know how we choose that dog? And I didn't know. And he goes, here's how we choose it. When the puppies are born, all the whole litter, we find the runt of the litter, the smallest puppy, the weakest and the smallest. Mm -hmm. And we tie a little piece of yarn around its neck and then we watch those puppies grow up together for the next 12 weeks. And we keep our eye on that runt, right? He said, after 12 weeks, we can't afford to keep all those dogs. So we give 11 of them away and we keep one. Guess which one we keep? The runt of the litter, the smallest and the weakest, because the runt of the litter has the biggest heart. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because it has to fight mm -hmm. to get milk. It has to fight to survive against those other 11 brothers and sisters that that puppy has to survive. So if the runt survives, that's the working dog. Yeah, That's the one, that's how we choose it. So from that day forward, I was always embarrassed about being the runt and being a little bit small. But from that day forward, sitting in that pickup truck, I said, okay, I know my advantage. I know I can outwork people. I know my heart is big. Yeah, that's incredible. I, I think that is like, that's, that's the perfect end note here. And it is the perfect segue into what's next. Because first of all, you guys, it's, it's, we're releasing this episode on Monday. You're going to be with us at Game Changer at the end of the week. You guys, it's worth getting a ticket to Game Changer just to listen to Bo and to learn from Bo. And, and I shared this very openly, Bo. I went out and hired all the people that I wanted to selfishly learn from, and they're the speakers at my event. So <laughs> that, that's, that's why I have you, because I want to sit there for 45 minutes and learn from you live. And I figure, well, if I'm going to pay to learn from Bo, let's have everybody else benefit too. But I mean, for everybody listening to the show, you guys, it doesn't matter what your pedigree is. It doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter if whatever you think is your biggest disadvantage in whatever moment you're in in life right now, I guarantee if you have the heart, it will turn into your greatest advantage. And that is what you teach, Bo. That is what you live. You are helping so many entrepreneurs and so many just great people to achieve their goals and dreams with the methodology that you teach. So really thrilled to have you here. Um, where do you want people to connect, follow you, get in touch with you? What do you want them to do next? Yeah. You know what? Let me give you a, a, a text number that they can text because- if you guys notice, as I'm talking here, 
uh, and as I'm teaching, as I'm training or sharing, everything goes back to a story, if you notice. I know it's kind of invisible because it just happens, right? Like the story just comes out or the story, but those stories train people and teach people and inspire people. And the most important thing the story does is give us connective tissue yeah. as human beings, which is, you know, it's like the hardest thing to have in this day and age. So I want to give you a text so that I can send you a video that will capture your story. Because all of us have these great personal stories and unless we can get them out, we can't have this connective tissue with people and break down the trust barriers that have been built up over time in our society. So that is one thing, Kelly, if you don't mind, oh my I'll, gosh, I'll, absolutely. I'll give them that text. And then, and then during Game Changers, I wanna talk about that too. I wanna talk about storytelling and how that relates to being the best. Because if you notice, the only thing that got me to be the best was a story. Yes. I was just, yes. I just wrote a story and I followed it yes. and lived it, lived it into existence if you yes. think about it. That's so it. let me give you, let me give you um, that text number. So here it is. It's 44222. Yeah. 44222. And if you put inside the, the, the body there, capture, the word capture. If we're right, capture, we'll send you free video training and a, and a guide on how to capture your story, because that's the thing that's really, really going to move the dial, especially for entrepreneurs. Yeah, I love it. Okay, so you guys are going to put the word capture and you're gonna send that into 44222. And guys, I don't take lightly the people that I share and promote. It is rare that I even allow guests on the show. And it is even more rare that I promote people's books over and over again. I might mention them once. Um, go get the book, text in, get moving, identify your story. It's so powerful. It's so unique to you. It's going to be the thing that elevates and differentiates you. And speaking that story into existence is how you're going to become the best in the world at what you do. So Bo, thank you so much for being here. It was so awesome having you on the show. I cannot wait to hear everything you have to say uh, at The Game Changer and uh, just excited to, to go on this journey together. Great. Thank you, Kelly. I look forward to it too. All right. Thanks everybody for listening to the Unstoppable Entrepreneur Show. We'll see you back here next week. Hold on. One more thing before you go. As a valued listener, I want to help you build your business, not just during the times that you're listening to the show, but all day, every day, every week of the year. I have a new Facebook group called The Tribe of Unstoppables, and it's a place for you to come gather with other successful, driven, passionate entrepreneurs, creating financial freedom for their families building a life and legacy of impact and significance. If you want to be a part of the community where you can network, get leads, gain referrals, build your business, and get unbelievable free trainings from myself and my team, go to kellyroachcoaching.com forward slash community. That's kellyroachcoaching.com forward slash community. Or you can just pop into Facebook and search Tribe of Unstoppables. Drop me a note and let me know when you join. Can't wait to see you there.